of Change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a food patriot to the natural world, and a person really excited about two upcoming events. The Nobel Conference 54, Living Soil, a University Underfoot. Um, that's on October 2nd and 3rd. Quote, scoop up some soil in your hand and consider there are more organisms in that handful of soil than humans who have ever lived. Soil is a living entity in its own right, a community of micro and macro organisms that interact with the Earth's mineral resources to create this complex entity um, that undergrids all life. The Nobel Conference at Gustavus Adolphus College is the only lecture program in the United States given that honor by the Nobel Foundation in Stockholm. This program will bring together international experts on the emerging understanding of the deep complexities of life and how we think about soil shapes our society. Uh, Food Freedom Radio will be live next week, the next two weeks, and in studio with us is going to be David Montgomery, author of Hidden Half of Nature, as well as Frank Uter, uh, and he's an historian about how we think about the environment. So for more information about this conference, you can go to gustavus.edu. That's G-U-S-T-A-V-U-S dot E-D-U. And another event I'm thrilled about is Jamming for Justice on the Upper Harbor. That's on Saturday, September 22nd. So if you're listening to this Saturday morning, it's today. <laughs> Saturday, September 22nd from 2 to 5. And in joining us in studio to talk about jamming for justice on the Upper Harbor, Harbor is uh, James Trice. He's founder and CEO of Public Policy Project. He's also the creator of the Environmental Justice Coordinating Council. Michael Cheney with Project Sweetie Pie and also the Environmental Justice Coordinating Council. Kyle Samajima, she's the executive director of the Minneapolis Climate Action, and Ann Culvert, with, and she's a principal project coordinator for the city of Minnesota, Minneapolis. Thank you, and welcome to Food Freedom Radio. So let's just start by going around the table and telling our, our audience a little bit about, about you and your involvement with the Upper Harbor. Well, this is Ann Calvert, and I work for the city of Minneapolis, a lifelong city of Minneapolis resident, and I work for the city for 43 years doing redevelopment along the riverfront. And right now my role is co-project manager along with somebody from the park board, Kate Lamers, and the two of us are charged with trying to guide through the process to convert the Upper Harbor Terminal site from its historic industrial use to a new combination of parks and private development and a completely different reuse for that part of the river. So tell us about how much how many acres are in this area? The site is 48 acres. 48 acres along the river. Along the river, almost a mile of riverfront. Wow. Uh, wow, indeed, yes. So what was there before, or what's there now? Historically, it's been used as a barge shipping terminal, with the, the idea being back in the 50s and 60s when the upper and lower St. Anthony Falls locks were built, that putting a barge terminal up there was going to be this great economic development boost for that part of town. There were going to be jobs and all sorts of economic vitality. Um, so this was basically as far as up the river you could go with barge shipping. And so the city has operated that terminal up until the point that the locks closed in 2015. And now we're just using rather passively for storage until we can get it transitioned. But uh, otherwise it's been used for decades as a barge shipping terminal. Uh, Michael, tell us about your involvement in this. Well, um, Michael Cheney, Project Sweetie Pie. I'm an activist and organizer. In you know, the 80s, I was the founder of the Juneteenth Celebration. In the 90s, the founder of the Wendell Phelps Credit Union in South Minneapolis. So I've really been a strong champion for arts and culture, um, but also economic development for low-income communities be it the Phillips neighborhood on the south side or North Minneapolis. So, you know, 30, 40 years of really trying to bring about tra uh, transformative action and engage the entire community. Into. So in 2010, I was the founder of Project Sweetie Pie, um, and it was an effort to restore uh, the education, and um, North High was under attack, and so we started, uh, they, folks wanted to close it, and so I approached them with this idea of framing a pathway to the future to higher education around um, uh, horticulture, uh, urban farming, around culinary arts, and around food science as pathways to 
to the future. And of course, you know, as things go, you know, um, plant and planting the seeds of change. That's one thing that both of us have kind of simultaneously come to that planting the seeds of change. And so it's grown, uh, you know, from, you know, the early years of working, we still, we got a hundred thousand dollars from United Way General Mills to do a program. So in partnership with the university of Minnesota, uh, horticulture program, CFAN, uh, ag education, et cetera. And so it's really been this kind of organic process of realizing that, um, that food is a core component that all of us share. And so Project Sweetie Pie has, in essence, uh, been a, a public awareness campaign, really trying to get people to realize that there's that food is a common denominator that we all share and that through it we can create economic opportunity. Um, for So over the time, um, you know, uh, with Robbie Norman, we've had these conversations and he approached me about looking at two and a half acre food hub on the upper harbor. And I pushed back a little bit. I said, well, Robbie, I don't want to do a food hub. I want to do an environmental impact center because I, in my travels, I really came to realize that we can't continue to operate in these narrow myopic fashion that if we really want to grow health and well-being in our community that as our body is this whole ecosystem our communities need to be as well and so um and so i said well i'd be interested in looking at it as a um environmental impact center on the two and a half acres, but let's really start looking, realizing that uh, we have to be systems thinkers, and let's look at the whole 48 acres, you know, and so I started, you know, again, as an artist, you know, I said, instead of 40 acres and a mule, let's talk about 48 acres and a school, and that meaning that how can we take this development as a way not only to grow enterprise in our community, not only in, to grow engagement in our community, uh, full-bodied engagement, but as a device to really educate and create uh, succession plans for each and every one of us as humans that we have to as we we have to pass the torch we have to work collectively and we can't continue to operate in these small myopic fashions onesie twosie momsy popsy that that's not sustainable but really as communities we really have to figure out how is everything in our across our landscape how is it all connected and how can we all be better we are all environmentalists you know not all of us are good environmentalists, good stewards of the land. And so how can we use horticulture and these development projects to really grow people's awareness? And so basically we've gone from transforming from being the idea of marketing and promotion to really think in terms of green infrastructure and how can we see the, Fort, the Upper Harbor as a, as a space and a place to develop a green enterprise a green enterprise zone. So, uh, James, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, <clears throat> again, my name is James Trice. I am the founder and CEO of the Public Policy Project. Um, and the Public Policy Project basically is a consultant and training company um, and uh, that, that works in communities, communities of color, marginalized communities, immigrant communities, really to um, help them really engage in the public policy process, right? Uh, our fundamental belief is that, um, that, uh, that, uh, embedded in the belief that those most affected by what is currently happening really have the greatest um, reason to invest in creating alternative outcomes. Marginalized and oppressed communities are, are directly involved in agents of change on their own mutual behalf. Uh, they see the conditions of sea change and social norms, uh, which are intended to usher in a stream of new possibilities anchored in by the emergent leadership roles of people who participate in the change process, right? Um, you know, the Public Policy Project has created and conducted uh, a various public policy and community leadership training programs and curriculums to educate African-American community, uh, Native nations, low-wealth communities, immigrant communities, people of color, to understand and actively participate in, again, the policy-making process. And, 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 you know, the belief that um, everyday people have far more power than they realize Right, and they too often uh, allow problems to fester, fostering serious risk to our future. 
we place blind trust in representatives too often and have too little faith in our own capacity to create the futures we see. The Public Policy Project was born to transform this pattern. And so, uh, you know, we started, on the Public Policy Project, I started it about, almost 20 years ago, right, to really work in communities. And I've been doing primarily my work in, in Minnesota, but I've done trainings all over the country in communities, trained thousands of people, I can't even name, uh, count the number of people that we, we've, we've trained. Uh, and, and as a result, some of those individuals are elected officials, right? Some of those individuals have uh, are running at this point nonprofit agencies and communities, community organizers, um, and okay. really, you know, doing this right. work, Help, helping people see the power yes. in themselves, right, and right. growing that up so that we can have power, so that we can have freedom. That's right, right, connected. right, right. Being, really being a part of the decision making process. And so I'm going to get Kyle in here because we're yeah. going to take a break yeah. then after that. And uh, but we'll um, thank you so much. That's fine. Thank you. So Kyle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I am Kyle Samajima, and I am the executive director of Minneapolis Climate Action. We are a nonprofit focused on innovative climate um, action and policy on an individual, community, and um, city level, and recently transformed the vision that was mainly focused on Linden Hills. That's how we got our start, um, piloting the organics recycling program in that um, neighborhood. It was very successful, but the organization decided um, that it's time to cover the whole city. And it's such an exciting opportunity for the organization to build relationships with communities of color to build relationships with communities that we previously have not been engaged with. And I had the privilege of meeting Michael Cheney um, as a student a few years ago. Great. We need we need to take a little break and when we do we're gonna be listening a little bit to Joe Davis music. You can come here to be free. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. Located just north of 50th in France, the Great Wall Restaurant has provided a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Specializing in Sichuan and Peking dishes, they offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include hot and sour soup, pan-fried dumplings, and mushu pork with homemade Chinese pancakes. Stop by their Edina location or call for takeout at 952-927-4439. See the full menu at greatwallrestaurant.us. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. Hi, this is Ken Hagelin, host of the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show, your source for elder care and caregiver solutions, inviting you to listen to our live call-in show airing on Saturdays from noon to one. On my next show, I'll be talking with Paul Blum, CEO of Right at Home, an in-home care and assistance company serving the Twin Cities. Please join us this Saturday from noon to one for the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show and learn more about us at minnesotahospice.com.
Fall is an important time to call the window washing and exterior cleaning experts Blue Sky Services to prevent seasonal changes and potential winter damage. Look at your roof. Do you have black streaks, blotches, or algae? Don't wait for the cold to have these freeze. Cleaning is much cheaper than replacement. September schedule is filling quickly, so don't neglect your windows, gutters, or siding cleaning. Call 651-447-4484 to book your fall cleaning before their busy season schedule fills and tell them that you're an AM 950 listener. That's 651-447-4484 or blueskyservices.com. for justice. Um, no RSVBs are required, and it's on the Upper Harbor. So let's talk about this event. event. Uh, Kyle, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on Saturday, September 22nd. So the event is really an opportunity for a you know, diverse group of organizations that are focused on food, social justice, environmental justice, environmental issues to come together to act as a kind of gathering place for ideas, for visions for this project. There's not one specific idea or, or project that's being focused on, but really to bring the community together over um, the redevelopment on the north side. And so what's the city of Minneapolis? You, are you looking for engagement? We are definitely looking for engagement. There is a draft concept plan that's out now for review by the community, and it, it's available on our website, upperharbormpls.com. And we're very much in a phase where we are looking for community input about this draft plan, what's good about it, and we should keep working on it, what are things that need to be changed, what are ways that it can be improved. There is a survey online that people can take as well. And so we're very grateful to have any kind of input we can get to make sure that the concept plan that we get informs as many great ideas as possible. And what an opportunity. I mean, North Minneapolis has been cut off by the from the river both by 94 and by the um, industrial. So how does that impact the people of North Minneapolis? Well, I mean, there's people that live, you know, in the immediate surrounding area that really aren't real clear that there's a river there. I mean, that's how <laughs> isolated this plot of land, 48 acres, and yet folks have a sense that it's there. But, you know, North Minneapolis has been... in in essence, the only community that has not really had real good access to the river. There's other places throughout the park system that are on the river that people have been able to see, feel, touch. But for at least since the 60s that this has been isolated from the community. And so our sense, again, as a neighborhood activist, you know, my interest in this was twofold. One, to bring environmental, it's, it's not an accident. We're on the river. Let's, let's not act that act as if it's just a backdrop for, you know, some a, a good view. Let's really it's sitting on the Mississippi River, which is, you know, the backbone of America. And as a activist, as an artist, I really felt that we really needed to do several things. One, we needed to heal as a community. You know, so uh, first of all, we were blue in the face because we we were isolated from the river. Then blue in the face because we were t uh, poisoned by the by the industrialization that was on the river, and wanted to make sure that that this wasn't just another episode, if you will, or another ch tragic chapter in history. That people from the community need to be engaged and to come to see the river, sense the river to, so that the expectation that the community is engaged well if you've been cut off from something for you know since the 60s how real is it that people even have a sense that it's there and how can they really internalize this great opportunity that we're going to have as a community and as a city and so through healing I almost see it as like the Berlin Wall now the tearing down of the Berlin Wall and so what we need to do now is really bring people actively to the river as much as we can so that people can get a sense of it, really internalize it, and value this great, I, I refer to this project as our Panama Canal, that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that we have as Minneapolis. And so 
environmentally, this is an opportunity for, and why I wanted to bring all these environmental watchdog stewards. They are good stewards. And and how can we create some biodiversity, right? You talked in the beginning of your show about the richness of this, of this soil. And so we wanted to transpose that value to this whole effort that we're on the upper harbor, you know, that we are in the catbird seat in terms of really framing the narrative for the nation and doing the work that uh, Will Seeger, um, uh, you know, is doing with Climate Gen. That's why I was real eager to bring them to the river, you know, to bring Kyle's organization and EJCC, their whole efforts around environmental justice. So here is an opportunity for all of us to, you know, kind of sink our teeth and instead of talking about equity and collaboration, here is our first effort in collaboration as environmental stewards, good stewards to bring and make the environmental movement, not only in the access to the river, a populist movement. We've got to start collaborating, you know. We've got to start being more intentional. We have to start being more efficient. And we need to have the power to own our own spaces, right? Right, right, right. right. And you know, you know, in 2017, last year, uh, Public Policy Project founded the, uh, created the uh, the Environmental Justice Coordinating Council, right, made up of entirely all African-American change agents in North Minneapolis already working on environmental issues, water and, and soil and food and all of that, right, to come together and through, you know, funding from the Ignite Foundation through uh, Pillsbury United Community to make sure that and to assure that communities of color in North Minneapolis and now Northeast Minneapolis really are engaged in projects like the Over Harbor Terminal and, and water justice and food justice, right? And and these folks come together. I mean, it's interesting, when we first brought uh, EJCC together, we did a series of one-to-ones, and, and uh, people we talked to didn't quite understand when we, we brought it to them. What, what, when somebody say uh, environmental justice, what does that mean to you, right? And, and people say, what, well, the normal, like, water, soil, air, whatever. Uh, and then people begin to say, well, over-policing is an is a environmental issue to us, and uh, lack of affordable housing or decent housing, and food deserts, and um, underemployment or, 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 you know, again, substandard housing and, and, and those kinds of things were, were uh, uh, environmental issues to us. But yet at the same time, they said we need to be involved with every decision that is made about us. So no decision made about us without us, right? And with this development on the Upper Harbor Terminal, I think the mantra that we're moving is, uh, you know, development without displacement. Do development, but don't displace us. Include us in the development process and welcome us there so we have a part to play in this. Usually when developments happen, there's a great deal of displacement of the residents and the, and the housing stock and people that are, are there in the middle of that. Yeah. Um, do you want to speak on that, Ann? I can speak on that. It's, it's a challenge. I do want to assure people that there aren't any residential units on the site, so there will be nobody that will be directly displaced. There's a few jobs. We think those will go elsewhere rather than being displaced. But we do recognize that any time there's change in an area, and we recognize that even without change in the area, what's happening with the real estate market is unfortunately increasing property values, increasing rents. That's a huge challenge already that, that we're facing. And the challenge we have with the Upper Harbor Terminal site is how can we do something that's good for the community and guarantee that it won't add to that market pressure. But I know... The city of Minneapolis already has a number of programs and initiatives where we're working to preserve existing affordable housing, add new affordable housing. We're going to be doing that as much as we can so that we can soften that threat. Right, and we're going to take another break here, but we need a new definition of prosperity and wealth in this country. We really do, because some people are saying, hey, we got the best economy ever, and then, but we have all this homelessness. We have an epidemic of anxiety and depression. Rents are going up. People can't, can't be doing well. We need to have a real sense of wealth. And I read a book written over 50 years ago, and it defined wealth this way. Wealth is our organized capacity to cope effectively with environment and sustaining our healthy regeneration. It's the forward days in the lives, and that's what Jamming for Justice is all about. How do we create a living economy? that works for all. Sexuality, gender, race, age, or ability, we all have the... Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. 
Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. The Fall St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running October 12th, 13th, and 14th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have a chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Hosting over 300 artists, up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 30 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. And when you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with a free transit pass. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at the stpaulartcrawl.org. That's the stpaulartcrawl.org. Lots of good things come in threes, like three-pointers, a triple-scoop ice cream cone, and standard heating and air conditioning's triple-saving sale. Just install a new furnace and AC this September, and you'll triple your savings to the tune of $2,700. That's right. Get rebates and other discounts for a total of $2,700 in savings. Learn more about Standard's triple-saving sale at standardheatingdeals.com. That's standardheatingdeals.com. Standard heating and air conditioning, the comfort you deserve. It's a good day to be indigenous. Native Earths Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current with Mother Earth, tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand-in-hand hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. Hello, humans. It's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many know that I have a diversity and inclusion company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I want to share about a speaking event I'll be hosting on Monday, November 5th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis. I'll be giving my gray area thinking talk on how to be welcoming to others. I'd love for you to join me. Go to elliekrug.com and look at the Human is Human public events page for more. Please come and please tell others. See you then. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Saturday, mostly sunny with a high near 63. Sunday, sunny with a high near 71. And Monday, chance of showers, partly sunny with a high near 72. Create an environmental legacy at Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Garden, Minnesota's first green cemetery. Green cemeteries do not allow toxic embalming fluids, metal caskets, concrete vaults, or standing grave markers. Green cemeteries are green spaces. They often look like parks. To find out more about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens, visit mngreengraves.com. We were each called to this place, this time and this season. You may not yet know the rhyme or the reason. You may not feel, think, or believe in the same things I believe in. But we've been asked to show up. Show up from wherever you are from. You can come here to be free. Bring your full self, both your head and your heart. Your hands and your feet and anything and everything infinitely beyond so any duality play. or is, uh, sexuality, Davis, gender, race, one of the performers at Upper Harbor. So you can, this Saturday, July, uh, Saturday, you September 22nd, you can show up to Upper Harbor and hear go directly live. And uh, when I was quoting that book, I was actually quoting uh, from a book written 50 years ago by our Buck Minister Fuller, um, Operating Manual for Spaceship Earth. And in that book, I was surprised he had this quote, using fossil fuels is lethally ignorant and utterly irresponsible to coming generations. 50 years ago, I was writing that. But he was also talking about the need for Earth planet based humanity. And here's what he says No human will be profiting at the expense of the other. Humans will be free in the sense that 99.9% of their waking hours will be freely invested at their own discretion. They will be free in the sense that they will not struggle for survival as a you or a me basis, and therefore they'll be able to trust one another, and they'll be free to cooperate in a spontaneous and logical ways. Uh, a futurist. <laughs> clear, clear there's much more work to be done. In 1969, he wrote that. I know. Years later. We've had the roadmap for some time. <laughs> so, Kyle, I know you wanted to jump in here. So, 
Well, I just wanted to highlight a few um, besides Joe Davis, the um, spoken word artist and, and musician that we've been hearing. Um, we're excited to have Tufawan perform, who's an um, indigenous um, hip-hop artist and a water protector, and also to connect African-American experience and history to the river. We'll have Darius uh, McRoberts from Friends of the Mississippi River do a talk on that connection to really make it visceral and make it um, meaningful and to really connect the river to the experience of the day and the whole redevelopment plan. So, Anne, do people know where this upper harbor is? I bet they don't. <laughs> Some people do, but as Michael noted, it's been an area that, it's been an operating industrial site, still is an operating industrial site, so it wasn't like there was a sign at the front saying, come in and visit us. Um, it is general between the Lowry Avenue Bridge and the Camden Avenue Bridge, and most of it is almost a mile of riverfront. There are a couple of the parcels that go inland all the way to 94, but it's basically up and down river from Dowling Avenue which certainly people in the north side know Dowling Avenue, and even people who aren't in the north side might know that because that is an interchange on 94. So if people are listening to the show, can they show up to the event today, and how would they find this event? Well, you know, go to Dowling Avenue and, and drive as far as you can drive to, you know, <laughs> east, and you'll encounter these, these two magical, you, um, you referenced Buckminster Fuller, there's two structures on there, these, these great storage bins that make it a very unique and mysterious area. You know, when I first visited Upper Harbor, I felt like I was on another planet. I mean, there's something very strange, very eerie about this space that I really wanted before we tear it down. I really wanted people to get a sense of this place and this outer uh, kind of like otherworldlessness. And so and all sitting, like I said, a well-kept secret on the Mississippi that even Northside residents haven't experienced, haven't had the opportunity to visit. I mean, it is like a... Um, it's like a park almost, even as it stands it's, with this industrialization. It's fantastic. And um, in St. Louis, there was a city museum. Um, it has like a 10-story slide just in a, a, a Ferris wheel on the roof. Um, but they took an industrial site and they added art, and it is fantastic. So that site is magical. I love it. Um, and just for specifics on how to get to the event, you can search for our Facebook um, event on Jabbing for Justice, and there will be specific directions for how to get back to the site following signs for Mississippi mushrooms, just because it might be a little tricky. So It, it is a little that. tricky, but and also um, for those who are listening to the show on Sunday, you can go to Mississippi Mushrooms on Saturdays and Sundays. He's, he's open, and so you can stop by there. and uh, 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock. 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock. And I would like to note to people that we're happy to have people come to this event, go to buy mushrooms on Saturdays and Sundays, until we get the redevelopment done, and or unless there is an official event, it really isn't someplace we're inviting the public to, because we have a lot of industrial tenants down there with trucks. It's a site where you could get hurt. You could, so we are happy to have events to, as Michael says, get people familiar with the site as they weigh in on the, um, the redevelopment plan and help us envision the future of the site. But it isn't just, we're not encouraging people to just go wander around on their own. Uh, Yes, parents, be careful. <laughs> Do you want to jump? So has North Minneapolis, um, what would it mean to be reconnected to the river? Well, I, I, you know, from my work in organizing in the community and working with the Environmental Justice Coordinating Council is that, that I mean, that's their desire. I mean, they're... Their hope, their wishes. So, okay, well, you know, we've been separated. How do we now get back connected to to this thing that we've been deprived of? I mean, I think years ago um, it, it was taken from them when they um, when they closed the um, uh, um, what was it the, um, the the club on on um, Review Supper Club Review Supper Club, and it was right. It's really took people away from there, and people really haven't engaged in next to the Mississippi since that time, right? Um, and people are, are, you know, at least from what I'm hearing, are anxious to, you know, to get, you know, to get back there and, and see it, to see if there's parks there, if there's a way they can get there, and if there's walking space. You know, it's interesting because I think the the misconception, right, or the narrative is that, or the false narrative, is that communities of color don't want the same things as white communities. We want safety. We want parks. We want, you know, we want 
good food, we want good water, we want good soil, we want the same thing that other communities want, right? Um, and, and, and so the people have been saying, we want to get back to the Mississippi River. We want parks there. We want our kids to be able to easily, readily uh, participate and, 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 and engage in that, uh, in, that piece of, uh, in that part of North Minneapolis. Right now, people don't see that as part of North Minneapolis, strange enough, because, you know, 94 cuts that off, and then you got Washington Avenue, and it's like people don't see that as part of North Minneapolis. So I think it's going to take some also education to help people reconnect there. So I'm not saying people don't want to. I just think people need to know they have an opportunity to get back there, and people are anxious to see what and, and one of the things, there's a lot of things about the draft concept plan that are up for discussion and input. But one of the things I take, and I think the park board takes, is an absolute given, is the riverfront is going to be public. It's going to be owned by the park board. The riverfront, except for the historic seawall, will be re-naturalized riverbank. There'll be parkway and trails, bike and walking trails, that eventually will connect up to North Mississippi and downriver into the whole rest of the Grand Rounds system. It won't be right away, but it's just a given that there will be that riverfront park access right along the river and in some larger areas along the river. The, you know, in the turn of the century, Cleveland and Falwell created the Grand Round, right? And their, their vision was that nature was the majesty of all human beings. And it was because of their vision and their, large, their largesse that all of us in this room and everybody in the city um, are in this uh, incredible space where we're the envy of the nation. So, you know, as you said earlier, we have to rethink our drink here a little bit in terms of what is economic development, what is wealth, and, and clearly we have to make sure that nature is a big cornerstone in that. And so here we have this last remaining piece of property that I think that we need to really take it serious, recognize the sacredness of it. You know, I might argue that, you know, across the whole span of things that people, as we become more and more industrialized, more and more technical, that people really aren't getting, even in spaces where they have access to the river, that we're not as a community really engaging that, the river, in terms of even entertainment and, and some other places that really make the river a destination. And so here we have this 48 acres that I see it, that this is, yes, it's a North Minneapolis project. Yes, it's a Minneapolis project. Yes, it's a state of Minnesota project, but that we have an opportunity here to make this a destination for the nation. And that's the way that I imagine this space, right? If you think small, you be small. If you think large, you know, the all kinds of incredible opportunities unfold. And so here we have this space. How can we make people become better stewards? How can we get people back to the river? And how can we take the rivers? Rivers have been abandoned all across this country. And how do we reclaim that intuitively as part of our spirit? You know, and I also want to emphasize that, you know, this site um, was Dakota land and some acknowledge it as stolen Dakota land and that to really emphasize engaging and building bridges and relationships with the native community around this project is also critical. Um, yeah. And I'd like to remind us, thinking big, it's a national park. Most of the site is in a national park, and that's an indication of why it's a significant site, and it's something we need to be inspired to help deserve. And I'd like to do a shout-out for Mississippi Mushrooms, because what they're doing is visionary economics. I mean, they're doing that real wealth. He's got his own company. He's raising mushrooms. That's forward thinking. That's not extractive economics. That's regenerative economics. And I, I mean, if we give him uh, <clears throat> shout out, I want to give a shout out to uh, the McKnight Foundation for their uh, commitment and their investment into really making something tangible happen and long-term happen for communities along the Mississippi River, right? And them and then um, also the um, uh, Pillsbury United Communities uh, are, is involved also with this. So they, these are two, uh, you know, a, a foundation and then uh, a, a really a large community organization that really is uh, 
committed to making this investment and getting people connected back to to nature and, and to the water and to help people realize that, you know, this is theirs, right? Uh, one of the mantras of Environmental Justice Coordinating Council is all issues are environmental and all environmental issues are ours. And so, and all of us need to work together. I mean, the whole... Uh, one of the concepts around the Environmental Justice Coordinating Council is just to break down this this barrier between environmental justice communities and mainstream environmental justice organizations, and to bring them together to say, hey, we need to work together to address these uh, these environmental issues. Do you think if we were better at respecting life, respecting the water, we'd be better at respecting each other? I mean, I think so. I think it, it collectively, right? If we have an understanding of what each other's um, ideals are around environmental justice, again, um, uh, mainstream environmental organizations are largely white and largely think about environment as like water, air, soil, and whatever, which is which is which is critical, right? And in effect, but also environmental justice community see all these other things that are environmental. So if we can come together and respect each other's ideas around what environmental justice is and work together to support each other in really bringing solutions to some of those issues around environment, and then I think, I think it'll happen. We're going to respect each other and, and work together in a better way. Well, that's why I've been spent the last 10 years of my life working in terms of urban farming and growing. I see that a garden is a Petri dish, right? What is a Petri dish? Petri dish is where you change and, and manipulate culture. And so that's clearly for me what it is. We have uh, low-income communities that by and large have been socially engineered to be consumers, you know? You know, put on the put on the backseat burner, you know, until for further development. <laughs> and until we realize that we that there's nothing beneficial to have people excluded on the outside looking in, that a democracy. So I refer to myself as an egg patriot. That I'm using agriculture. I'm you as a as a form to democratize society and make sure that everybody is engaged, all inclusive, not exclusive, and that is through that that we build intentional community and that we change it from those people marginalized so to you're listening producers. to food freedom radio on am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota we'll be right back seward co-op serving the community for nearly 45 years invites you to shop their two convenient locations both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coop. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. Being a dog is awesome, except when you really got to go, but you're stuck inside. That's why I had my human call the Urban Dog. Daily walks, field trips, play groups, one-on-one time, safe off-leash play, and pet sitting. I love being an Urban Dog. The Urban Dog works with your schedule and can create a plan that fits your needs. The Urban Dog. Exercise, explore, socialize. Let the journey begin. Call 651-231-6333. That's 651-231-6333. You don't have to be an expert camper to enjoy the Boundary Waters. Big Bear Lodge is your home away from home that still lets you experience the Northwoods in authentic and modern woodsy cabins. Upon arrival, you'll be greeted by the owners whose priority is your relaxation. Take in amazing sunsets, stargazing, and moose viewing near the Gunflint Trail. There are free use of canoes and kayaks, guided pontoon tours, and private docks and fire pits. So come find your smile at Big Bear Lodge. More at BigBearLodgeMN.com. 
Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. We were each called to this place, this time and this season. You may not yet know the rhyme or the reason. You may not feel so think Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. Um, I'm Laura Hedlund, and if you're enjoying this music from Joe Davis, and you're listening on Saturday, I encourage you to go down and discover where the Upper Harbor Terminal is, um, because there's a Jamming for Justice event going on on Saturday, September 22nd, from 2 to 5. Um, at 2 o'clock, it's Joe Davis and Friends. He's a poet and activist, spoken word artist. And um, do you want to tell us more about the event going on on Saturday? Sure. So we'll have a mix of musicians and speakers and environmental organizations, social justice, um, environmental um, uh, justice organizations as well mixed in there. We'll have um, ways for people to record their ideas, ways for us to capture visions and ideas and really gather the community and, and create a movement in cooperation with the park board, in cooperation with the city um, and the other environmental and, and justice organizations and you know food justice organizations that will be there. And you want to do a shout out for sponsors? Well, yeah, I do. Um, our sponsors that we have are uh, Project Sweetie Pie, Mississippi Mushrooms, uh, Asian Media Access, Sierra Club, Minneapolis Climate Climate Action, uh, uh, Farm Motion, uh, Bicultural Living Lifestyles, uh, EJCC in the house. So a lot of great organizations that are uh, that historically are doing great work for our community and all the residents of our community. But we're working together to really make a change and to support the uh, development of this project. Uh, one of the three main developers of the project are uh, Dana Franks from First Avenue, uh, Thor Construction, and uh, United Properties. And so we're taking some of these ideas that we have and, you know, do this beautiful patchwork quilt in terms of to inspire the development. Developers. Uh, Dana wants to do an amphitheater, and so how appropriate that we're going to do this concert on the river, and it's kind of a dress rehearsal, you will, a sign of uh, more good music to be to come. Yeah, well, I, I just want to uh, really announce another event that's happening on the 27th of September, um, and that's at uh, the University of Minnesota uh, uh, Outreach and Engagement Center, UROC, uh, 2001 Plymouth Avenue. Um, well, it's, it's an event to really talk about the um, uh, asthma and lead levels in North and Northeast Minneapolis. So in 2017, Northern Metals, Inc. and the State of Minnesota and Pollution Control Agency signed a consent decree under the consent decree, I'm sorry, uh, the uh, Northern Metals agrees to close down their business and move to a less populated area in the state and to provide $200,000 a year for three years um, to really address the high levels of lead and asthma that they have been found to have contributed to significantly, right? And in this meeting, this event on the 27th, um, residents in North Northeast Minneapolis will get a chance to really give their input on how they think that those dollars should be spent. Right when it when it comes down to addressing. If people want to find out more about that, where would they go? They they will uh, go to go to James underscore Public Policy Project, and my number is six one two seven zero two nine seven six nine. And again, it's is the uh, the uh, at UROC, and it's going to be the twenty seventh five thirty to eight. Um, and so we add, we invite residents to come through and really give their input on how that money should be spent to address asthma and lead uh, issues in North and North North Northeast Minneapolis. Cool. And for the Upper Harbor Terminal, as part of our community engagement, we have two more community meetings that the City and the Park Board are sponsoring. One is September 25th in the evening. One is October 11th during the day. We are also working with a group of community folks who want to do their own community-led events. That would tentatively be the weekend of the 
the, the 28th through October 2nd. We're working on some events in that time frame. But I do encourage people to go to our website, UpperHarborMPLS.com, because there's listings there about the events that are already scheduled, the ones that are still in the works. The survey is there. There's summaries of past engagement, the copy of the draft concept plan, so it's a great resource for what the plan is, how people can provide input at meetings through the survey and learn and more about it. And what timeline are we looking at here? Well, we're playing it by ear. We don't have a specific deadline, but we would like to at some point when we feel like we've gotten a pretty good sense of what the community input is, we want to then work with the development team, and, and Michael mentioned the members of the development team, to then look at our concept plan, revise it, refine it, so that we can then bring that to the city council and the park board for approval. Knowing that's just one step, there will be lots it's, more it's engagement a long after that. Yes. Yeah. Can I mention one other sure. piece of this that's really important? Um, Hennepin County, I mean, the Community Action Partnership of Hennepin County is sponsoring this event on the 27th at Your Rock. So they're behind this, and they will be there also to really talk about the resources that the county has for residents in North and North Minneapolis, Northeast Minneapolis. So just wanted to give them a, a shout out. Cool. Again, the time. Time always goes so fast. I have so much. But uh, Jamming for Justice on the Upper Harbor, Return the Mississippi to North Minneapolis, Saturday, September 22nd, 2 to 5, Mississippi Mushrooms. Um, do you want to hop in here? Sure, sure. Um, it, again, you can find the information on the um, Facebook event, all kinds of information about, you know, who will be there, where to, you know, how to find the site and the performers. And, you know, we just look forward to this community gathering and are very excited that Minneapolis Climate Action has a chance, among other organizations, to break down those barriers between the mainstream environmental organizations and communities of color. And we'll stumble, we'll make mistakes, and we're also passionate about making sure that we keep on going. And I just want any of your listening audience who are environmentalists or um, who would like to maybe come and join us at a table and bring their issue forward to the broader community, again, all-inclusive, not exclusive, that, you know, this is one big party for us to get to know each other better, and it's through relationship building that you create healthy community, and so we're trying to create a healthy, functional community on the Upper Harbor, and what better place then for us to get to know each other to help support this development going forward. And you can get tabling information um, and contact info on our Facebook event. And, you know, it's been a beautiful organization because it's kind of it's all raising it's growing um, organically, right? And it's it's power. It's it's how we step up to being alive and a partner with the real world. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Exciting. Exciting, and it's been a really fun group to be involved. And this music is uh, so. Um, resonates so deeply. Uh, Joe Davis and friends, poet, activist, and spoken word artist, and indigenous hip art artist and water protector. Two for one. Two for one. Two for one. Um, last minute of the show. Anything else anyone wants to say? Well, then I better start promoting next week's show because next week we're going to be talking about Nobel Conference Living Soil, a, universal un, a Universe Underfoot. And that conference is October 2nd and 3rd. You know, you scoop up some soil in your hand and consider that there are more organisms in that handful of soil than humans who have ever lived. Soil is a living entity in its own right, a community of micro and macro organisms that interact with the Earth's mineral resources to complete to create a complex entity that undergrids all life on the planet. Next week we're going to be live, and we're very pleased to have in studio uh, David Montgomery. He's the author of Hidden Half of Nature. Frank Unger, he's a historian, and he writes about how we think about the environment. You've been listening to Food Freedom Radio, and for more information about uh, Jamming for Justice, you can go to a Facebook page, Jamming for Justice on the Upper Harbor, and thank you so much for listening to Food Freedom Radio. Yeah.